That's awesome again. I'm telling you what, that was way outstanding. Thank you, thank you. Amen? Wow. Wow. There is no one like the Lord. And it says, let everything that has breath praise his name. So I tell people everywhere I go, you still got breath? Well, let's praise his name. Let's make it happen. Let's go out and shake the earth one more time for the glory of God and the souls of men. Uh, this is a joy. Thank you for letting me be here. Uh, it's, I'm going to be in uh, Philippians today, but I'm going to talk about these kind of things. Uh, what I actually prepared for you today, I'm actually not going to do, but, but it'll, I'll come somewhere near that. But uh, it, it's something I want on my soul about the love of God. It's about prayer. It's about the book of Philippians. It's a book of joy. It's about life itself and how so many of us have all the intellectual concept of God. We understand him in that way. It's an academic understanding. It's a, we're Greek Western, and because we're Greek Western, our educational life is all about what's your education. We're always looking for what degree do you have, and that's how we find pastors or elders or whatever else we're doing, and we go about these things. And yet, in the Word of God, it's written Hebrew, and it's written in a very pragmatic, it's, it's alive, and, and it's meant to be that we own it. It's in my soul. And the way you know it's in my soul is, well, watch me. How do I live? How do I talk? How do I, I am as transparent. And, and when God, we're going to talk about the love of God in a little bit here. And when, you know, God loved the world. He gave. That's what he did. And he gave his son, but he gave his son not to condemn. And now we're going to look at what does this love begin to look like. And you know, this, I, I said this is a beautiful book. Paul, go, Paul says in verse 7 of chapter 1, it is right for me to feel this way about you. And I think about that. It's right for me to feel something. And when he's saying to the, the Philippian church, I, I told you la or a couple weeks ago, I said, that Philippian jailer was there. <laughs> and he goes, it's right for me to feel this way about you. And the word feel is to me, it's the word for vulnerable. And what is that? I've made myself vulnerable to you. I've made myself transparent. I feel this towards you. I feel, when I think of you, I feel something good. So I looked up the word vulnerable in the dictionary. What does vulnerable really mean? It means capable of being wounded. Yola, bole. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine something like that? I, I feel, I have a love for you, so I put myself in front of you. I, I, this is how I truly feel, and I'm capable of being wounded by you. I have no defense. I'm completely transparent. This is who I am. You mean something to me. Christ has changed me. I haven't come here with one ounce of condemnation, not one ounce of your guilty, nothing. And he's going to encourage him about this joy. He's going to eventually say, make my joy complete, because he talks about his, his joy. But make it complete. What do you mean? By being of the same mind, intent on the same purpose, united in spirit. And do not merely look out for your own interests, but look out for the interests of others. And then he says, have this attitude in yourself which was in Christ Jesus. He wouldn't tell me to have the attitude of Christ if I can't. See, that's the vulnerable. Have the attitude. I mean, can you imagine? Walks in, have the attitude of Christ. And I ask you for a, on a personal level, make my joy complete. How? Have the attitude of Christ in you, who although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God, something to be grasped, Hold on, held on to, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant. And being found in the likeness of a man, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him. And you look, and this is the idea of being vulnerable. And he calls us to this. This is what love really is. When we look at this love, this is, 
Love is intellectual. To, it's, it has intelligence to it. It's not some gooey feeling. You know, when I look at it, it's also be, not only being capable of being wounded, but defenseless. What do you mean defenseless? Well, it means defenseless. That is not a good Marine term. When I was in the Marine Corps, I was not defenseless. Had I been defenseless, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you right now. I would be a name on a black wall. I wasn't that. But in Christ, what is it? Defenseless against injury. I had to learn that. I had to learn how to get defenseless. I had to learn how to not intimidate. I didn't know I was intimidating, but I had to learn. I knew, how did I become defenseless? This vulnerable, this love that we're going to look at. Well, I had to do it with my wife. So, sometimes I said, can you imagine how horrible it would be to live with somebody? You marry somebody, and you're afraid to tell them how you feel. You're afraid. Why are you afraid? Because you're afraid they're going to get angry at you, and they're going to be all over your face. Now, believe it or not, you can't imagine me that way ever, but somehow in our youth, that's the way our marriage was. Isn't that right? You see your head moving? Okay. She was afraid. I did not know she was afraid to talk to me about how she felt. I, had, I thought I was already vulnerable. It'd be like, you know, I'm, I've really calmed down. I'm much more quiet. So she, if somebody says, what are you talking about? You know, well, you intimidate. What are you talking about intimidating? How can you be intimidated? <laughs> I'm not intimidated. What's your problem? <laughs> well, that's what I thought was defenseless. I thought that was vulnerable. I looked at this and I'm going open to attack or damage, all of a sudden, what does that mean? That's the love of God. Christ came. God so loved the world. There's a kingdom that's coming of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's coming kingdom. And when Christ came, he came this way. He came, I am God. I'm going to humble myself. And I came not to condemn you one moment. Not a single moment did I come to condemn you. I came here to give you a life. I didn't come here to, for a modification. I, you don't need modification. Behavior changes. You need a new nature. You need a new mind. You need new emotions. And he says, without those new emotions, without being born again, without a rebirth, you will never experience what I'm talking about, being defenseless. You will never know my love. That's why he tells the Corinthian church, test yourself, examine yourself. Do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in, in you unless you fail the test? What's the test? The love of God. Have you stopped condemning? Have you stopped ridiculing yourself as well as everybody else? Have you experienced the magnificent righteousness of God? This magnificent righteousness, or is it just a word? So you begin to look at this, and the text this morning, we're, we're going to turn to love and and it's in, in the verses, uh, Dave, thanks David for reading the, uh, all, all the way through, 1 through, through uh, 11. And I want to remind you, this, the book is written to saints, that's you. It's written to the elders, and it's written to the deacons. And you'll see why. He starts off in verse 9, and this is my prayer. Can you imagine? Think of prayer. You know, what is it? What is prayer exactly? Why, why does God say pray continually? What does that even mean? You know, I've shared with you when I was a young man and I asked, how could I know God? I want to know him. How could I? And they said, what do I have to do? And they said, nothing, you just pray. And I, I told them then, I said, well, then I can't know him. He said, what do you mean you can't know him? I said, I've never prayed. I don't know how to pray. He said, that's a religious term for talk. I thought, well, I've always been good at talking. That was never my handicap. Okay. 
So once I learned that, everything became clear. What he's saying to me is I have something for you today. This is my prayer, that your joy will be made complete in Christ. This is my prayer, that your love is going to abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you will know when God says, be joyful always, what does he really mean by that? What do you think God means to this new nature? Whose nature is he speaking to? He's speaking to me in the image of God. He's speaking to the rebirth nature. He's not speaking to my sinful nature. He's speaking to me, the one that was rebirthed, born again. He speaks to me, and he says, to that nature, he says, Gus, be joyful always. What do you mean? I mean, be joyful always. That's what I mean. Do you think he tells me to be joyful always and, and knows that I can't? If God tells you to be joyful always, what do you think he's saying? Be joyful always. What's the problem? <laughs> I mean, what do you, sometimes we're arguing about, it. do I have to do it all the time? <laughs> man, oh man, how hard is this thing going to get? I got to be joyful always? Yes. And I want you to talk to me continually. And I want you to give thanks in everything. This is my will for you. When you live in the newest of the nature, there are no saddest regrets. There's no condemnation. There's nothing hidden. I am vulnerable always and forever before God and mankind. And it starts in my home. It starts that my wife knows everything about me, that we've become one. And, when you, and that's what's happening here. This is my prayer. This is what he's talking about. What's your prayer? That your love may abound to a church to the elders, to the deacons. I'm praying that your love may abound more and more. What do you mean? In knowledge, depth of insight. Love is the very byproduct of knowing that the new nature. The new nature comes and woof, all of a sudden you don't seem to have any enemies. And if you did have an enemy, somehow you, you, you're not agitated with them. You're sad and you can be hurt. You can feel emotions there, but you feel almost grief for them. Like, you want to bless them in the midst of their horrible storm. That's what Christ did. I mean, he could say to a Peter, get behind me, Satan. And he could also say, my father revealed that to you. He could also say to Peter, now, you're going to fall away, but when you, when you get restored, when you come back, restore your brothers. Where was the condemnation? Nothing. It was a judgment call. It was, I'm telling you the truth with love. This is going to happen to you. And when you come back, restore. And, he, and somehow this love, this is what love really is. Love enables all the virtues to come together. All the things. I don't care if you're a teacher, a preacher. I don't care if you have great wisdom, if you have kindness and gentleness. Love holds these things together and lets them respond in a right way. I think I wanted to take you to something you know very, very well in 1 Corinthians uh, 13 when he says about this love and I wanted to and I want you to understand love is not a gooey feeling love is intelligent it has it has a standard the standard is God's eternal breath the holiness of my father the holiness of my righteousness so that love acts appropriately it handles the situation rightly Listen to these words. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, in other words, I've got a good vocabulary, I've got good insights here, but I don't have love. I'm only a, a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. Something's going on, and so much of American churches are noisy gongs and clanging cymbals. You're not going to believe this, but there is actually people who love Jesus Christ and hate each other. 
Is that even possible? No, it's not possible. When you hate your brother, when you can't forgive a man of God, when you can't forgive an enemy, when you, you don't love God, God forgives. How in the world? He even tells me, Gus, I'm gonna, I've forgiven you, so you forgive like I forgave you. Forgiveness isn't anything I do. It's just there in the new nature. And so he looks at these things and he goes, I'm only claiming if I have the gift of prophecy, man, I got wisdom. I got common sense. I got insights like you can't imagine. I can see what's about to happen. I can fathom mysteries. I got knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I have to the poor, I surrender my body to the flames, man, I'm doing sacrifice after sacrifice. And I still am nothing. Why? Because this, the love of God, this is my prayer, that your love may abound. And he's saying it to a church because the love of God isn't a word. It's a character. The love of God forgives. The love of God rejoices. The love of God is pleased with you. The love of God says, although you were dead in your trespasses and sins, although, he tells you in Romans, I died for the ungodly, although he tells you, Yet while I was his enemy, Christ died for me. That's the love of God. That's the sacrifice. When all of a sudden I can't find a place to take offense. I can't find a place to be rude. I can't find a place to be irritated. This is my prayer. This is what Paul prays to the, for the church for absolute joy. This is my prayer. And when you think of it, I thought of this, and I, I thought about Romans 12, because I've been there so long. Love must be sincere. What do you mean? Well, hate what is evil in you. Hate what is evil in you. Don't let it continue. Hate what is evil in you. Do you have a nature that is judgmental? Well, crucify that thing. (laughs) Do you have an unforgiving spirit? Well, crucify that low life and thing. Do you have a bitterness to you? Well, hang that thing on a cross. And don't tell me that you're going to, how many times you've been on the cross and you come down. I've had all kinds of men tell me, well, I've crucified, but you know, I just get back down. Let me share something with you. Anybody that was ever hung on a cross never came down. They came down after they were dead. (laughs) They never came down alive. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. What do you mean? I have been rebirthed in this. This is my prayer. That the love, this love of God may abound in you more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So this is how we're doing it. So he goes, hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Cling to it. Go. What does he mean cling to it? He means cling to it. <laughs> Hang on to it. Exercise it. All of a sudden in the young, young days when my wife and I were together and we loved each other. And, but we had a few opportunities, at least two. And uh, along the, the young days especially. One time she threw a whole tub of butter clear across the room and hit me right in the side of the head. You know those crock pot butter things? You know how big those things are? I'm in the living room and all of a sudden I'm watching the news. Bam! Hits me in the side of the head. Remember that? Fortunately, the butter side hit me. And I looked at that. <laughs> We're young Mary's. I said, I think you better get in here and clean it up. <laughs> she did. And she always goes, I don't remember what you did but it must have ticked me off. It must have really been bad. And I said, we've gone through all of this. We worked through this. This was our nature. Oh, the, yeah, it was, the Holy Spirit told me to fling that thing at you. <laughs> Didn't happen. Didn't happen. What did we do? We chose to grow in it. We chose. We made choices. This is what it means. 
Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. What's my love? You'll see. Honor one another above yourselves. Quit on. What do you do if you're if you think you're more important than everybody else? Go crucify that thing. <laughs> We're not. If God thought he was more important than you, he wouldn't have come. He humbled himself. The nature of God himself is, I love you. When you're the worst enemy on the planet, I still love you. My prayer for you is that you will abound more and more with great knowledge in this love and great depth of insights. Never be lacking in zeal. What do you mean? It means never be lacking in zeal. Get lit up a little bit. Keep your spiritual fervor. What is that? It means keep your, you have been born in spirit. Keep your spirit alive. How do you do that? Like Dia just said, shout to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You got breath? Then choose to praise the Lord. It'll keep your spirit alive. If give thanks in everything, it'll keep your spirit alive. Choose on this day. I'm going to be joyful today. I don't give a rip. I'm going to be joyful today. I'm going to choose joy. That's what I'm doing. It keeps the spirit. Your spiritual zeal, it goes on. But keep it. Serving with the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with God's people. And then Romans 13. Let no debt remain outstanding. Don't let any debts remain outstanding. If you borrow money, pay it back. That's what the Word of God says. You borrow money from somebody, you pay it back. If you borrowed money, you borrowed something from somebody, they loaned you something, you pay it back. Why? It's the glory of God and it's what you were made for. You were made to be a man and a woman of your Word. It's the only thing you got. If Jesus Christ says, you shall be saved, then you shall be saved. (laughs) That's what He said. It's not if. He said, you will be saved. Seek my kingdom first, then seek his kingdom first. It's not a suggestion. He told you to live righteously, live righteously. We're going to talk about that, hopefully, Lord willing, almost maybe in a few minutes. Okay? Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man, for he who loves his fellow man, not his brother and sister in Christ, he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the commandments, the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, Stop your immorality, do not murder, do not steal, quit coveting, do not covet, or whatever other commandments there may be are summed up in this one. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Love never does any harm to a neighbor. Love can't do harm. Christ didn't come here to do harm. He came here to heal. He came here to give me a new nature. He gave you a new nature. Act upon it. There's no regret in it. I have never regretted learning how to love my wife as Christ loved the church. I have never regretted forgiveness. I have never had one time where I forgave somebody and regretted forgiving them. I've never had one time where I walked up to somebody and said, please forgive me, I've sinned against you, and regretted it. Not one time. It's all been new. I get an explosion of joy. I exercise it. Listen to what Peter says, 1 Peter 4, 4, 8. Above all, above all, Love each other deeply. Why? Why should I? Because love covers a multitude of sins. What do you mean? It means love covers a multitude of sins. What does that mean? It means it brings healing. There's some of you in this room that have sinned. 
and you still are not over it. It's haunting you, but the love of God will cover it. It'll heal you. He'll bring joy back to your soul. God didn't, God didn't let me walk along this earth like, yeah, you living for Jesus? Oh, yeah, oh, man. I cannot tell you how difficult this is. I'm so thinking exhausted living for Jesus. No, it's a spiritual fervor. I can't even contain myself. I'm like this all the time, except when I wake up tired, you know. I woke up a little tired today, but I'm trying to wake up here with spiritual fervor, okay? I wanted to give this to you. So here we go. What are we going to do? Over all these virtues, over all the virtues, everything that you got, every virtue, every good quality that you have, everything that makes you you, put on love, which binds them together. How's it, how do you know it binds them together? It brings unity. Unity is harmony. It brings harmony to everybody. It inflames us with a great joy. Love must be intelligent, and it's morally discerning, but it's intelligent. It's not some weird thing. It's not this ooey-gooey something or other emotional orgasm. It's an intelligent being. I love you, and I want you to know that you're of value. I want you to know how important you are. I want you to know that God has anointed you from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. I want you to know that you're not just a man of God or a woman of God. You're a holy man and woman of God. You're a holy, mighty man and woman of God. You are filled with the Almighty, and whether you like it or not, get used to it. You're going to see the Lord. Amen? And you're going to enter into his kingdom, whether you understand it or not. Bruce and I need to get up here about that someday. But there's a kingdom coming. There is a kingdom. How do you know? Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Why am I saying that? Why am I supposed to pray that? Because I mean it. I want your kingdom to come, and I want your will to be done on earth as your will is in heaven. The kingdom of heaven, I want it here. Righteousness. I want peace. I want joy in the Holy Spirit. I want it in my home, and I want it now and forever. Amen? That's what we are. <laughs> That's why we're here. That's what the Word of God's for. There's no one like the Lord. That your love may abound more and more, here it is, in knowledge and depth of insight. What is encouraged is not a thoughtless sentiment. Fully developed love never travels alone. It's, it's, it's there. It's, in, it's love. In, it's covered. It's got patience with it. It's got joy with it. It's got gentleness with it. It's got faithfulness with it. It's got self-control with it. It's got all the magnificence of these personalities. It's always in the company of other virtues. Knowledge is, and the idea of knowledge here is the, the idea of just an intellectual perception. Can't you, can you see it? Can you see this love, the magnificence of this nature? Gus, apply this to, to Karen. Give it to Karen. I had to learn. You know, when you, have a, when you talk as much as I do, you can't not not sin. Okay. You can't talk this much and not, not sin. The other thing, when you talk this much, you're not a good listener by nature. That nature wasn't given to me. Honey, I didn't ask you to shake your head on that one. Okay. So I had to learn how to listen. I had to learn. I didn't know how to listen. You remember the days when I didn't know how to listen? I'm better. Am I not better? See? You can move that one more too. <laughs> How do you do that? You have to learn. You know, <laughs> we learn. Father, teach me. Because love is a good listener, but it's also a good giver. And we had, to, we had an assignment one time. I, the guy, this guy was trying to help me learn how to listen. And he said, listen, your wife has a lot of things to say. And I said, well, I, I wanted to get it. <laughs> say it. 
Why does it have to be so long? So he told me, gave me a sign. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go walking down the street. And I want you to hold hands with your wife. Walk down the street. And I want you to just listen to her. Don't respond. Just listen to her. And then you're going to have two minutes to tell her what you thought you heard. And if, and if anything stops, I want you to do this. If she tries to inter- break it up while you're talking, you just go, uh, like this. I thought, what? Eh? I said, okay. I can, uh. So she starts talking. She's, she's. It's two, it was only, she, she has 10 minutes. She's two minutes into this thing, and it feels like an eternity. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm responding to her statements, and she goes, uh. <laughs> and, and when she went, uh, I burst into laughter. I said, okay, make it short. Okay. <laughs> she had eight more minutes. And when she was done, you know what was surprising? If she was up here, I had her get up here and teach this with you. She was so stunned, she said, you actually heard me. Because she didn't go like I do. I used to go on one point. You know, she was all over the place. She was discussing, I don't remember what it was, but it was everywhere. And I looked at it and I thought, God teaching me, this is what love feels like. This is what love looks like. This is why I pray that your love may abound more and more. It's real. It's life. It's a, it's a real living place. The love which Paul speaks of is spontaneous, it's grateful, it's outgoing, it really is outgoing, it's a yearning in your soul, it's, a, it's the progress for the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy. And that's what, that's what we're talking about. This is where we want to go. When it talks about depth of insights, it has to do with the practical application of love. That's what I told you about this. Uh, that was the practical application of Gus Best learning how to, how to love, how to live in it. The other thing it taught me, the other thing I didn't do naturally. When I talk as a man normally, and I was listening, I'm, I'm, I'm real fast. I talk quick, okay? That's my nature. And not only that, I'm never looking at anything. I'm just looking everywhere. I'm always looking. At, so when my wife used to talk to me, I'm like this. Oh, I'm just all over the place. And then when, when, when I would talk to her, I'm still all over the place. You know, I just listen up and get this thing done, okay? And now all of a sudden I'm learning. And they said, not only that, I want you to, find, I want you to work at something. When your wife talks to you, look at her. He goes, pretend you're actually listening to her. So I did. Remember that? Now I do it with everybody. Why? Because I realized at that moment, if Christ was here, what would he do? If I went to talk to Christ and he walked right down this aisle and I, he said, Gus, I want to say something to you. Or say, Tell me where you're at. You think he'd be looking me in the face? He'd be looking me right in the face. And he'd be looking at me with compassion and he'd be hearing me. I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That's what this is. See, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, Whatever you do, that's what it means. Do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble. What do you mean? Don't cause anyone to stumble. This is written to leadership and it's written to the church. Don't cause, I don't care if they're a Jew, I don't care if they're Greek, and don't cause the church of God to stumble. Don't you do something that's going to hurt the church of God. Don't you go doing something that causes damage to them. Don't you do that. That's what he tells you. And then I, I look at this and I think, Father, everything is permissible. I can do anything. I'm allowed to do anything in Christ Jesus. But it, not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Well, that's true. Nobody should seek his own good. 
What do you mean? Don't seek your own good. What should I do? How do I live? Seek the good of others. I've come here. That's what Christ said. I came here for the world. God wants all men to repent everywhere. He's not willing that any should perish. And some of us are just in a horrible place. Anyway, and this I love it. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, here it is. Anyone, he, out of Hebrews 5, anyone who lives on milk, still being, an, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Righteousness is just a word. Listen, righteousness is not a word. Righteousness is a character, the character of holiness of God. God is righteous. He is a holy God. He is a righteous God. God made him, Christ, who knew no sin to become sin so that you and I would become the righteousness of God. For in the gospel, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for in the gospel is a righteousness from God that is by righteousness, that is by faith from first to last. For the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And what is this righteousness? Not only, I, it's a new nature. I have no condemnation. I have, there is no fear in God. The love of God has cast out all of that. What do you mean? I've been regrouped, and so I proclaim what I am. I proclaim it. I tell you, I'm a man after the heart of God. I tell you, I repent regularly, often, with great joy, without an ounce of condemnation. I can ask for forgiveness at a blink. It doesn't bother me at all. Why? I, someone prayed for me a long time ago. I had two men in my life that really changed my life. Al, Alan Billington, Dr. Alan Billington, changed my life a lot. And Chuck Vaden. Chuck Vaden, they're, they're both in the, with the Lord now. They're both there. I was at Chuck's funeral, and I did Alan's funeral. And I look, and I think... They taught me these things to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. That's what, and I love the end of this thing. So he says, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. He's coming. Christ is coming. May you be pure and blameless. May you be pure and blameless. And here's what he says. Filled with the fruit of righteousness. Filled. What is it? There's no regret. There's no sorrow. For the man of God, the woman of God, this is what we are. So I always tell people, like when I was down in Peru, I'd say, do you want a new nature? Would you like to start over? If you're a man of God, all right, repent. Repent without condemnation. Repent without any of that grief and strain. Repent with the joy of the Lord. Father, thank you. I come to praise, praise you that I have been acting in such a way, listening to things I shouldn't have listened to, watching things. I have had heartache after heartache. I, I have not been forgiving, and I cast it off to you now. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. Amen? Isn't this what you want? Amen? This is who we are. There's no one like the Lord. In the same way, this is how I let my light shine before men. I love this. Oh, Proverbs 11 to 30. The fruit of the fruit of the righteous. Ah, the fruit of the righteous. Did you realize that means the result, okay? That's the idea. The result of the righteous. I live righteous. The result of the righteous is the tree of life. Do you realize that everywhere you go, the tree of life is there? Do you realize the fruit of the righteous? And then he goes on, he who wins souls is wise. The what it means is you walk into a room and people are being blessed. They're being encouraged. Even if they hate you. <laughs> How fun is that? You just go there. This is what it is to be born again. 
This is what it is. I pray that your love abound in more and more in the knowledge and, and depth of insight. This is what it means to walk blamelessly. This is what it means to live in the magnificence. I recognize by faith I am righteous by God. I have been changed. I act upon it. I listen to him. When it says, when someone is leading us in singing, I don't just sit there and sing a song. I praise the Almighty. I'm here for that reason. That's what we do. That's what we are. And I'm going to tell you what, when we do it as a church, we will shake the foundations of sin in our home, in our community, and in our businesses. And we will see a new birth take place right here. Amen? Well, we're going to sing a song, I think. We got somebody going to sing a song. I know Bruce is going to sing a song. He's going to play. Yeah. Amen? Well, and what I'm on is they're coming up. Are we singing Hosanna? Is that what we're going to sing? I think it's Hosanna, isn't it? All right. I'm, is it Hosanna? Oh, praise God. All right. This is like, this is a holy woman right here. There's a holy woman right there. All right. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. When he talks about Hosanna, it means I'm expressionless. I can't contain myself. Just try something when you sing. We're going to sing a song, but it's a prayer. And, th- and then you sing it to the Lord. You, right where you are, sing it to the Lord. Watch what happens with your hands. Seriously. Get over this. Watch what happens with your hands. They may come out of your pocket. It's holy. You'll be changed. So let's stand as they lead us in this song.
Absolutely beautiful. Well, we have some people here. <laughs> hey, there's a holy man. Holy man right here. Yeah, that's way cool. Hey, Gary, man of the most high God. Well, I want to ask, uh, I want to say thank you for having me here. And I also, uh, just before uh, I say goodbye, I want to introduce a special guest that they've been visiting. They came here to visit today. And uh, his uh, name is Doug and Linda Weber. They're right back over here. <laughs> yeah, it was way fun. May the Lord bless you and overwhelm you. May he anoint you from the top of your head through the sole of your feet. May you be consumed in the joy of the Lord as your strength. May you make choices to always give honor and glory to him. May your love abound more and more in true knowledge of this love, of this greatness of this new nature, and the depth of insight. May he grant to you delight in him so that he can give to you what he's always wanted, the desires of your heart. These are precious days in our time. Marriages and relationships can be healed in a blink because of the eternal breath of God. So may the Lord bless you and bless you. May he keep you now and forever. And by the grace of God on that day when he shows up, it's going to be one awesome moment. <laughs> And we will see each other, and we will be ready for holiness. We'll be ready for the kingdom, because we're already there. Amen. God bless you. We'll pray for you, Karen, and thank you. But just pray for you as you head off bright and early tomorrow morning. Amen. All right.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Father, thank you so much for the gift of this couple. Thank you for the, the, the time that they were here. Um, Father, you are sovereign. You are in control. You know all things, um, and you put all things together in your perfect timing. Thank you for his encouragement, his love for this body, his love for the elders, his love for Doug and Linda. Father, thank you for sending them to us this summer. Father, we ask you just to bless them on their way as they head south to warmer climates. Father, that they will arrive safely, they'll have a good trip, and thank you again, Father, for the elders and the men of God down there that have allowed Gus to come join us um, these two months. Thank you for your great gifts, Father. Father, you are the God of gifts. You are the God of life, eternal life. You are the God of redemption, and you are worthy of praise and honor. You have sent us a couple who honor you and praise you with their very lives, with every breath they take in and every breath they exhale. And we thank you, Father, for giving them a gift and for giving them a heart to unwrap it and to not keep it to themselves. Lord God, you have graced us so richly through the Bass family. You have graced us so richly through the church at Paso Robles who have been so faithful to send these this dear man and woman, our direction, and to support them after they've sent them through much prayer and to support us through much prayer. Father, we pray for your blessing upon these two dear, dear beloved ones, a man and woman of God, whom you have blessed us with and left us with a rich, new, fresh life. You've breathed life into us here through them, and we give you thanks, God, for what you've done through them. Father, would you honor them? Would you carry them home safely? Would you bless them in advance as they go? Would you continue to make them a rich and beautiful, magnificent light full of, full of rich color, Lord, not just a simple white light, but one that is brilliant and stunning to the eye to see that draws men and women to you. For your name's sake and for your glory, we give you thanks and we send them on. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, man of God.